This is the Inside Track podcast by the BVRLA. Join us as we speak to high-profile guests from across rental, leasing and fleet as they discuss their careers, react to the latest news and look at what may be coming in the future. Hi everyone and welcome to the Inside Track podcast from the BVRLA. Um, I'm pleased today to be joined by three three guests who are all very active in the space along the campaign we're doing at the moment to get more local authorities engaged with EV charging, um, in particular meeting fleet needs and those of our, our membership and our, our community. Um, this activity builds on the launch of the Fleet Charging Guide earlier this year, where we set out a number of recommendations for local authorities to follow. Um, that was then supported by the Fleet Friendly Charging Index, where you can log on to see how well your local authority is performing in terms of fleet engagement and that move towards electric vehicles. And then the recent launch this summer of our charging pledge, um, encouraging local authorities to actively make a commitment to supporting this work, engaging with the fleet sector, taking our concerns and our needs into play when forming those strategies. Um, Ultimately, it's a message of collaboration you know, as an industry, we've got the data, we've got the expertise, we've got the know-how to advise local authorities. So it's how we can work together to put those insights into the right hands to make sure that the network is is beneficial for everyone. So I'll hand over to my my three guests now so they can give a quick introduction and then we'll get into a discussion of why it's an important project and how others can get involved. So I'll start with Ryan Bushell. Thanks, Adam. Uh, so yeah, my name is Ryan Bushell. I'm head of public sector for UK and Ireland for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Um, I head up a team across the country whose role really is to find mobility solutions, principally for central and local authorities, help them get their employees from A to B or move goods and services while being sympathetic to their social value agendas of which decongestion and decarbonisation is a real priority at the moment. So we're working as hard as we can to help Keep people moving while simultaneously reducing the impact their activities have on the communities in which they operate. Thank you. Um, Dom? Thanks, Adam. Um, my name's Dom Service from Lease Plans Consultancy Services team. Um, I do a lot of um, project work with our customers, helping them develop their policies um, to make them more efficient and, and serve their needs more effectively. In recent years, that's included a lot of decarbonisation and and electrification projects. Um, And we've seen a lot of our customers move quite rapidly from primarily diesel to now getting towards largely electric or plug-in hybrid car fleets. Um, And we're we're getting to the point where van fleets are wanting to look in much more detail at how how they can electrify their vans as well. Excellent. Ryan S. Cheers, Adam. Uh, I'm Ryan Spillane. I'm Director of Partnerships and Sales at uh, Connected Curb. So we're a charge point network that operate across across the UK. Um, we've currently got around 3,000 charging points that are live and, and ready for, for, for people to use, and that's grow, growing quite dramatically. Um, but yeah, really interested to, to get the conversation going. Excellent. And then sticking with you, Ryan, so I guess, like you say, you've got three and a half thousand in at the moment, which is growing all the time. Sort of how's that engagement coming about? Where are you finding the sort of the success with local authorities at the moment? I think it's a it's a mixed bag across the whole of the UK because you've got certain local authorities that have maybe been doing this for quite a while. They've deployed a number of pilots. They've got quite a few 
sockets deployed in in the local area through to other local authorities that ultimately haven't really done anything and they're really looking for a guiding hand to support in terms of of how how they should be going about deploying charging infrastructure and ultimately i think that's been regional it's been down to where legislation's come in when you look at areas like london where it's costing people to drive into london driving an electric vehicle allows them to reduce some of that cost so we've seen adoption increase a bit quicker and as such we've seen charging point deployments increase more so i think a lot of that's been led by residents and, and local people saying we need charging infrastructure in the local area we're now seeing that switch a little bit so that's coming from central government now where funding's now not requested but actually being forced out to to local authorities for them to go out and to deploy charging infrastructure so i i think ultimately the overall engagement's been 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 good everyone appreciates that it's something that needs to be looked at and it needs to be looked at in a way that's uh prioritizing needs but also now looking at scale as well because i think the the biggest argument across the industry or from drivers that are making that transition is there's not enough charging infrastructure there's there's a fair amount but there's still more to be done but scale is and pace is is one thing which i think that conversation is now starting to shift to to that around the amount that we deploy and how quickly we can we can do that but overall i think it's been positive and it's a, definitely a step change since that uh, the the funding from Levi and, and the support from EST has, has come about has definitely changed that conversation to something a bit more positive than where it was previously. Um, but overall, yeah, engagement's been been pretty good and, and is getting better as people start to understand the industry more as well. Yeah, excellent. I mean, Dom, would you, that issue of sort of scale and that residential challenge, the issues you're finding and your customers are finding um, or is the need sort of elsewhere within the region so i'd say so far it hasn't been a huge issue because um as i said in the introduction i think most of the companies that we work with have been concentrating on electrifying their company cars first um, some of those will be perk drivers so they do very little business mileage um in all a lot of them will have been able to park on a driveway and install a personal charge point that they can use at home. So to date, it hasn't been a huge issue, but I think we're now getting to the point where, you know, some of the companies we work with are reaching sort of 80 or 90% of their new car orders are for electric vehicles. And when you get to that level, by necessity, you're going to come across some people, whether it's because they live in flats or terraced houses who can't have that home charging solution, and they're going to become really more dependent on the public charging network. So I think um, the huge growth in in electric company cars is going to mean that there is much more demand for public charging in the coming years. Um, but on the van side, it's it's so much more of an issue because obviously a lot of businesses are are very dependent on their vans. Like if the drivers can't can't drive for work, then they're not working basically. And I think there that's where the public charging network has been much more of a barrier to to rapid uptake. Um, not just in simple volume terms, but also in suitability of the infrastructure. So we hear from operators who've, whose, whose drivers are forced to, you know, block two spaces just because it's the only way they can actually get the van into the, the, the charge point. Um, or where they feel that, you know, there's some resentment from other, from car users who, who don't see it as appropriate for vans to be in these, um, in these bays. Um, so 
I, I don't think it's been a huge issue to date, but I think we're really getting to the stage now where it needs to increase very rapidly. Mm, definitely. I think that point on the, the so, this unwritten social contract between one driver and another, I hear more and more of that, mm. even at you know service stations where you might have two or three waiting to queue up and the, yeah. how much people are or aren't charging. Uh, We've made a... Ryan, with... No, go ahead, please. Yeah, so we've made a small effort on that, um, the sort of social element of charging by distributing um, what we call a happy charging meter to all of our drivers. It's just a little cardboard dial that they can put on the windscreen saying, I'm going to be coming back in one, two, three hours so that people, when they come up to a charge point, they can see when it's likely to be free. It's a little thing, but hopefully it, uh, it'll help yeah. in a small way. Definitely. I think that sort of behaviour change and getting people to think in that way definitely is going to help, whether it's exactly through that or just that mindset. Mm. Um, absolutely. I mean, on on that sort of the broader point around where charging might be required, Ryan, with Enterprise, so I presume you're predominantly you know, based out of depots or car clubs where there are sort of, you know, certain areas where the cars are based. Do you find that there's a different need for sort of you and your customers versus the the residential element the others have spoken about yeah i think so uh, listening to dom he's talking about quite a high saturation rate of that company car order at the moment and the i, I guess the, the the journey that that user has to go on is very different to perhaps some of the um journeys our customers are going on because they 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 don't, they don't have the company car asset they don't therefore have the charging infrastructure and they don't necessarily have the familiarity with the the product service and how it operates and how to make that practicable within your working day so we we bump into customers who are perhaps semi-frequent travelers so they may be traveling once twice a month sometimes a little bit more often a little bit less um, when they're interacting with our services it is incidental to what they are doing it's a means to get there in the same way that a train and a hotel is often a means to an end so we really don't want to have to think about it too much. And in the current state, when they jump into an ICE vehicle, the majority of people are broadly speaking familiar with that whole petrol forecourt situation. They can factor in five or 10 minutes at the front or back end of their journey to refill, and they know they're in a safe space. But when you introduce an electric vehicle, it's another layer of complexity and just simple thought processes that they perhaps haven't needed to consider before because now what you've got to think about is well what is the range on the vehicle that i'm going to be provided relative to the journey that i'm about to undertake and consequently what is my charging what are my charging options maybe on route and on the return have i built in enough capacity in my actual journey that i've planned to give me a front and back end charge without well, within the parameters of the rental period that i've booked um so it's quite um there's a few more considerations when it comes to electric vehicle rental than perhaps there is either through company car or, or outright ownership. But there are some solutions to that. So you mentioned Car Club, Adam, and I'm really pleased you did. So our app, our Car Club app, gives you a live state of charge of the vehicle which you're booking. So if you are about to, on demand, just go, oh, crikey, I need to travel. I need to do it now. There's a Car Club at the end of my street. I'm going to jump in it. Well, if it's an electric Car Club, you can see how much um, range it already has in the vehicle, which is really helpful to determine whether or not the user um, is making the right decision in the moment. And we've invested a lot of time, 
resources and energy into our systems as well so that um, in the future, hopefully in the not too distant future, we'll be able to serve up the, the customer with a list of options on that vehicle. So all of those considerations can be taken in their stride without having to make too much of an effort of the consideration. Because I think maybe as a when you're choosing your company car, one of the things you're going to be considering is the range. And you do all of that at the front end and you do it once and then it's done. But with a rental, it's every transaction that consideration needs to be remade. And so we're very conscious um, that we need to make that as seamless as possible for our customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, that, again, that mindset of how people view EVs compared to petrol and diesel is is a huge piece. So probably across every market, every use case, there's that that changing thought process. It's um, it's quite easy within the industry as well to be in that little bubble where you think everyone thinks about electric vehicles in the same way that you do. And I think especially when, for all, all of us, but especially for us when we're looking at deploying charging infrastructure, we need to think in that, that same vein. So there will be people that will go, well, actually, we don't want chargers on our street because there's a perception that we're taking charging by, or sorry, we're taking parking spaces away. So we have to adapt to that. So in certain areas, it makes sense to deploy chargers that maybe don't have a dedicated bay because it's a bit of a chicken and egg scenario that there is, you're going to need to deploy charging infrastructure because there is going to be a requirement for that moving forward in that local area but it might not be from day one. And I think having that understanding that people aren't all in, in the same boat in terms of where their thinking is and their understanding and what you need to do from a pre-planning perspective, which becomes second nature when you've driven an EV for a while. But as as Ryan said, if it's you, you're doing that not once, if it's a vehicle that you own, but you're doing that maybe multiple times, driving different vehicles potentially each time, it does become a little bit more complex. Yeah, and I think especially as we move beyond the sort of early adopters and into the kind of mass adoption part of the curve, it's really important that those first interactions, those first uses of an EV are positive experiences for normal people who are not in the industry and haven't been planning it for months or weeks in advance. Absolutely. And I think if we move slightly, I guess it's, it's within that sphere, but away from sort of that customer experience, that like you say, there's a lot of the you know politics, both literally and you know, metaphorically, around where these charge points end up and who gets use of them. Um, I mean, as as that funding you alluded to earlier, Ryan, sort of comes down and that power is pushed to the local authorities to make the calls. Is that what goes where question? One of the main areas that local authorities are looking for support, or are there other areas that are just really commonly coming up that we are better placed as a, as industry experts to help answer? I think there's 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 benefits of taking data from from both sides. I think there's there's a lot of local authorities now that have got a wealth of resident requests where they know that there's either a requirement today to deploy a charger or there's someone that's got a vehicle coming in six months time. Um, so that that data is really important. We as a charge point operator, we're not going to know really that hyper localized detail, but what we do have or what we've built is a, uh, a site selection tool that pulls in about 40 different data points to allow us to map out what a deployment plan looks like. So again, dependent on the scale of the contract that we're looking at, if it's 40 charging points, then you've probably got that already mapped off with resident requests and you may put some other sites just to serve future need. But if we're talking about thousands of charging points like we're doing in West Sussex and, and Surrey, you need to be a little bit more 
thoughtful about the way that you, you plan those deployments and they're going to need to come in phases as well. So having that data is really important. And that's, I think, one area that the charge point operator can really support local authorities because it is sometimes difficult to look past that initial, what do we do now? What's the requirement now? We need to look at where the demand comes from moving into the future. And that's where I think, to your point at the beginning, Adam, around collaboration, that's what we can do as an industry really well, is if we can start to share that data so I understand where Ryan needs charging infrastructure for, for car clubs and I understand where Dom's clients, potentially where their, their, their van drivers are located, we can start to pull that data in and, and plan for that as we move into the future. Because a lot of the data that we've got is focused on private individuals, which is great. We obviously need to service those those drivers but but fleets are often forgotten within that mix and that's one area that i'm really passionate about us doing more in is trying to pull in as much data as we can from our peers within the industry so that we can service all of those different user types and put the right charges in the right place for the right 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 clients if i can i just come in on that and mm. I, I would agree wholeheartedly with everything that Ryan said. But the other thing I would perhaps add is, um, I think that there's a role for the local authorities here to be quite bold in what outcomes they want to achieve, because we run the risk of reproducing a version of what we already have, but just with electric vehicles instead yeah. of ICE vehicles. And I think we all understand that we need to reduce single occupancy vehicle use. That has to be part of the overall solution. And so what would be really cool, and we've, we're starting to see it, but it'd be lovely to see more of it. But when local authorities are talking about where, where the infrastructure is needed, part of that, I think, should be focused on how do they best utilise space and real estate to drive down that outcome of reduced um, ownership and we get more into a usership model. So um, we've probably all heard um, people talk about mobility hubs and at enterprise, we kind of like to call them community hubs rather than mobility hubs, but interchangeable. But they're, they're places where transport modalities converge along with some other community benefits like a coffee shop and a maybe a dry cleaners or, or whatever it is, but desti destination points. And from there, then mobility can be accessed, all forms of it, including electric vehicle charging and i think that's an important part because whilst ryan quite rightly says that there's really good data on where the current demand is at the moment that's for all of those um, very fortunate people who are in the um, process of either switching into or already have an ev but we, we recognize that there's huge swathes of communities who won't be in that position and nor do we necessarily want them to be rather we want them to move into that shared modality and that's where those community hubs i think could have a real benefit and being smart about where we position them sympathetically with um, charge point operators and fleet data as well, I think would be really uh, progressive. Completely agree. And I guess part part of that is how I suspect naturally local authorities, you know, they think of their constituents and their residents first and foremost. Obviously, there will be a demand on any charging network from people not living within that exact space. Um, so I guess, Dom, is that where you think there's there is that role for sort of, you know, fleets, your customers, fleet operators to to have that data of where people are going, where they're going to need it, whether they're a resident or not, and sort of how those needs are met. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, making better informed decisions is going to be a key part 
in making sure that this this new money is well spent. Um, and I, I think local authorities are well aware that you know delivery drivers, for example, might not be living in the local authority, but they're absolutely serving it and providing a service that um, their residents need and want. Um, so, so yeah, I think we definitely encourage local authorities to be um, open-minded towards the need of, of non-residents, particularly those who are there on, on business or, or serving the community. And without turning this into a full-scale plug for Car Club, um, <laughs> which is what I'm about to do, sorry, but Car Clubs are a really um, interesting way for local authorities to achieve that because they, if they enable and electrify the bays within their constituency, that allows travellers into their neighbourhoods via alternative means, i.e. bus and, and rail, to then pick up the electric mobility, knowing that the infrastructure is already there to service the demand because the car is already in the base, so they already know what that demand looks like. Now, that doesn't deal for every scenario, but it is a really smart way of making that investment go a long, long way and touching multiple users. It serves the residents evenings and weekends who can pick that car up at the end of their street to do the 30 minute trip to the supermarket, but it allows the business traveler to jump off the train and then jump into the electric car to meet, um, to do the meeting and then head back to the train station at the end. It's quite a versatile um, solution. I mean, one thing we hear from, um, from some of our customers is that uh, van drivers might be doing shift work and they really need to have access to charging overnight so that they can have a fully charged vehicle at the start of the day. You know, it might be sort of 5 a.m., um, and that's not something that I think local authorities have always accounted for in in the um, infrastructure that they've built up historically. Uh, so that's that's something to bear in mind. And you know, those might be those probably would be residents, but um, it's it's I think it's really important that they always have van drivers in mind as they're planning the infrastructure that's going to be rolling out. Well, I, I suppose with that as well is they come through in a different way like you've if you've got individual users that are buying vehicles they'll all be at different times but you'll often find that depending on what their cycle of that fleet is you'll have a batch of vehicles ordered and delivered and i'm not going to say they're all going to be in exactly the same street but they'll come through as a block as opposed to dribs and drabs so i think the importance of that long-term flexibility in charging infrastructure as well so yeah. if you if we're deploying charging infrastructure on street to serve residents car clubs making sure that we've got adequate supply and what we do is put passive infrastructure in what we call known boxes that we can activate on demand as we move into the future as soon as that utilization gets to a certain point and it, and it makes sense from an investment case which it more often than not does we can go out and deploy more charges to service that local area so there is as as ryan said earlier there's a there's an element that we need to service to today but we do need to look into the future and whether that is a reduction in in users or an increase in users in that local area we need to be flexible in in both in both regards and the best way of doing that is going in with a deployment that makes sense from day one with the potential to expand it in the future or deploy further sites in that local area as we move forward and i think that point around vans it's, it's especially the case that comes up in a huge amount of what we do addition itself but that charging point in particular is a lot more challenging for vans 
because those needs perhaps haven't been acknowledged or they're just not understood is perhaps a, a fairer way of putting it. And I think that's where, you know, to shamelessly plug some of our own things, you've got things like the fleet charging guide, which looks at sort of exactly that. We've got, we had a van plan that was launched a couple of years ago that will be updated where it's, it's setting out those exact pieces because it, it's another layer, isn't it, of right place, right time that we've been touching upon. I know I've heard at least anecdotally, you know, some operators, they require their, their vehicles to be parked within a certain distance or a certain sort of area of the of the driver. If that's also the vehicle's charge time, then you get a very specific <laughs> part of the road that needs that charge point, which isn't necessarily practical. So it's what give and take does there need to be within those those pieces. Um, and as you say, Dom, the use cases where, you know, one van is not equal to another, one use case is not equal to another, it it becomes a, a very complex picture very quickly. And unless that information is being shared, then there's no way for the solution to ever be sort of fully representative, I guess. Um, and I, I suppose with within that, if we sort of, sort of almost come full circle, obviously we've got, you know, a number of very good examples from the projects that you guys have been working on and you've been involved in with those local cases. This, if we're trying to get particularly more members to get involved, more, you know, stakeholders from across the fleet sector to get involved and support this work, what would you say, sort of, you know, st step one, <laughs> what, what do you need to do first? Um, or what's, what's the key bit, bit of advice you'd maybe share with others that are looking to work as part of this solution? I'd say familiarise yourself with the, the Levi funding, because this is a really big fund. It's being managed in a completely different way to, to earlier um, incentives. Um, you know, you can look up the amounts that have been um, awarded to your local authorities, the areas where your employees are likely to um, need to charge up um, and, and you know, get in touch with the local authorities. Like the work that BVRLA is doing is really good, but, um, you know, the, the more pressure and, and understanding there is that there is a demand out there, I think the more successful this will be. The, uh, I suppose from my perspective, I would echo Dom's points, um, but I think also just having conversations. So it's dependent on the size of the business, but speaking to charge point operators, making sure that we're aware and, and hosting forums like we did in, in, in Bournemouth when we all sat down and, and had a chat for, for people to ask questions is really important because I will stepped away from there with a a whole host of different thoughts that I had around how we could service those needs because I, I in my head I thought well we cracked it we just share a bit of data and we put some charges in the ground everyone's happy and it is a lot more complex um, and we need to make sure that we're thinking about that so I think reaching out having conversations and and, and sharing that knowledge across across industries not let alone just within our sort of e-mobility space, but the, the broader industries, the leasing companies, et cetera, reaching out and having those conversations will allow us to do our jobs better and, and in turn allow fleets to transition a lot quicker. Not sure I've got a huge amount to add to those two very strong and eloquent answers, but I think maybe just to go back to that point about being confident of what the end goal is and being quite clear in the communication and ensuring that that's the focus of the delivery, whatever the delivery is, that that is the reason that something is taking place, not because 
there's a, a lot of external pressure and it, it feels like the right thing to do and going through the motions. And I'm not suggesting that local authorities would necessarily use tick boxes and go through the motions, but we certainly would want to avoid that. But the, the vision, I think, is clear. Most, if not all, local authorities have declared a climate emergency. So we kind of understand why we're trying to achieve this in their local region. What does that, how does that manifest itself? And then working backwards and making sure that all the 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 suppliers of the potential interested stakeholders have that vision commu clearly communicated. So we're all pulling in the same direction. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that was just, you're doing yourself down, Ryan. You, you've got the hospital pass of going last and always having to find something new. I think you. <laughs> no, I think I think that works. Right. It's familiarising, you know, yourself and your customers with the Levi Fund and how that that's deployed. Having regular conversations making sure you understand all different cases and you know in turn the, the end user is going to understand that and then being confident of the end goal i think that that packages up very nicely and you know like through this through this work um that's exactly what would encourage other people to to do as as i mentioned at the start we've got the charging index on the bbrla website where you can go in and check sort of the local authority see their progress sort of red amber green have they got a plan in place? Have they been speaking to fleets? Have they acknowledged fleet needs? It's a very mixed picture. And obviously, that any reds on there are reds that we want to turn turn green. Um, and as you say, Ryan, a, a lot of making certain pledges, you know, declaring state of emergency, they've got climate targets. And, you know, we can collectively be part of that solution. Certainly, I think we have to be because otherwise, I think it's... Un unfair to expect a local authority to just crack it on their own without that that, <laughs> that knowledge it, you know. yeah um but no i mean is there anything anyone would sort of like to share as any closing closing thoughts or observations um so the, the one thing i would say is that i've, I've mentioned vision and sh uh, clearly communicating it would be remiss of me not to say that I think the local authorities all have a, also have a very unique opportunity to lead by example. Um, but a lot of pressure and responsibility on them, and that must weigh heavy on them. But similarly, they have an opportunity to show what good could look like um, and to um, seed the market for the rest of it, the fleet industry in general. And I'm really specifically talking about their own business travel and then very specifically on their grey fleet travel. Um, it feels like too big an opportunity for, for them not to take a look internally, reposition that travel into electric mobility. doesn't have to be through car rental or car car, but obviously I would be very um, keen to promote that. But whatever form of electric mobility that, that business travel should take, it would be less risky, better for the environment, more cost effective to do it in a, another form while simultaneously creating demand for the infrastructure and also creating um, uh, provide and they've already got the data for where that infrastructure could potentially be used. They wouldn't be able to keep it busy 100% of the time, which would allow other fleets to then tap into that really, really effectively. I just think it's a golden opportunity. I understand it's political with a small p. I understand it's difficult, it's very emotive, but now's the time for local authorities to really grasp the nettle and show some tremendous leadership. So that's what I would be looking for folks to do yep i'd agree and i think when 
especially local authorities are looking at deploying obviously as the point of this conversation look at all the users that will interact with those chargers but i suppose two three core elements specifically focused on the charging infrastructure is one thing about reliability because that affects all users um to affordability because again that affects all users it, whether you're looking at the total cost of ownership of running a van or you're someone that's driving for work or you're popping to the shops twice a week the affordability is is important and accessibility because that will go right down to maybe disabled users right through to vans are those charging points accessible for slightly larger vehicles so they'd be my three my three core sort of takeaways Yep, I uh, don't really have anything to add to that. I agree wholeheartedly. Perfect. And yeah, the, the affordability just reminded me that's that was one of the key threads when we were speaking with councillors and representatives at that event in Bournemouth. Um, and it's also just obviously acknowledging that across a particular authority, there's going to be that huge mixture of, you know, highly affluent areas, more urban areas. There's that huge mix. So it isn't just a one solution works for one authority. It's that completely nuanced picture. In, every every different authority is that microcosm and like i say even more reason to pull it pull in that data pull in the experts um and find out those solutions definitely um, but no i i will leave it i think it's um some fantastic food for thought there some fantastic learnings from each of you and all the, the good work that you and your teams are putting into place um so i'll i'll draw it to a close there and just thank you once again for your for all of your time um, and best of luck with us all collectively going forward on this uh, on this project. Brilliant. Thanks, Thanks Adam. Adam. Thanks very much. Cheers, all. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you click the subscribe button. Please leave a rating or review and feel free to share this on your social platforms.